Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello there, and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. This is Nick Shepley, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about German attitudes and German knowledge of the Holocaust during the war. I think the first thing I want to say about this is that it is, by its very nature, ambiguous and confusing. And it's important for us as good historians to try to reject any hard and fast distinctions about what German people knew and what they thought. Um, The assumption that the uh, German people were a uniformly genocidal um, group during the war is, um, I think, quite absurd. And uh, this idea that is put forward by historians such as Daniel Goldhagen of an eliminationist anti-Semitism, as he calls it, that there was something different and specific about the German people, um, is uh, borders, borders, shall we say, on prejudicial uh, and, and perhaps even slightly racist in its uh, emphasis. And I'd like to think that if the Holocaust has taught us anything at all, that prejudice is generally quite a bad thing. By about 1943, I think it's fair to argue that the Holocaust within Germany is largely an open secret. The final solution, the use of Auschwitz and other death camps, is fairly well known. The diarist Victor Klemperer, a Jew living in Dresden all the way up to 1945, had very clear and explicit details of what Auschwitz was in his diaries. And this had knowledge had been imparted to him through various Aryan sources. So it, he wasn't being told by other Jews, he was being told by Aryan Germans. If you think of the sheer size of the operation um, of deportations, the size of bureaucracy required, the um, number of peoples working in stations where trains with Jews in were uh, were moved to, um, the numbers of people involved in uh, manning the camps, in administering the uh, spoils of the Holocaust, the clothes, the money, the jewellery, the other items taken from the Jews who were murdered, and the numbers of people who were involved in redistributing these items back into Germany, uh, redistributing clothes and luggage to displaced peoples um, bombed out in places like Hamburg and Cologne. The questions as to where these items were coming from would not have been taken a great deal of imagination. Uh, The questions as to where the Jews were going when they were forced out of their homes in German towns and cities 
the answers to that, again, would not have taken a great deal of imagination. And it was it is impossible to suggest, really, that um, there was a, a widespread ignorance as to what was happening. Obviously, after the war, the, in the, ni- the later 1940s, 1950s and 60s, um, it was convenient for many Germans to um, suggest that they, they had no real understanding of what had been going on during the war. But this, I think, is, is largely impossible a fiction to maintain. So if there was widespread knowledge, what were people's feelings and attitudes uh, to the, um, the mass killing? Well, there are surprisingly few outright enthusiasts of it amongst the German people. The German people who were fully aware of the nature of the deportations very often uh, wrote um, in the, from the diaries that we have, uh, very often wrote of a sense of remorse, of sorrow, of guilt. The, uh, there are many Germans who connect, the, um, many Germans of religious persuasion who connect the bombing of German cities to the fate of the Jews. Uh, in that it was on some level some kind of divine retribution for sins against the Jews. One particular um, clue that we have about attitudes across Germany was the 1941 edict forcing Jews to wear the Judenstern, or the, the yellow star, stitched to their le- the coat um, lapel. Uh, there seems to be almost universal um, disquiet about uh, this, Many uh, domestic and uh, foreign visitors at the time record almost universally ordinary Germans feeling quite guilty and ashamed and quite disgusted about the treatment of the about the um, uh, use of the Judenstern, um, the uh, degree of humiliation that it brought upon the Jews was um, very very uh, disquieting to ordinary Germans and. This makes sense. As soon as the persecution of the Jewish people was put squarely in front of ordinary Germans, then it becomes far less palatable. When uh, the uh, November 1938 pogrom of Nacht happened and thousands of Jewish businesses and homes and synagogues are destroyed, um, a couple of thousand Jews are killed, and tens of thousands of Jews are taken into euphemistically protective custody, again, there is um, a great deal of concern and worry amongst German people that some sense of civility has broken down in German society. The, um, the actual naked violence that is um, displayed in front of German people, uh, they find quite uncivilised and shocking. The, these people, by the way, would not necessarily have been instinctual pro-Semites. These are not people who necessarily have a good word to say about the Jews. They may very often, uh, attitudes of casual bigotry towards the Jews, are there at the same time as uh, a feeling that persecution of the Jews has gone too far. And so the uh, many uh, ordinary Germans have quite contrasting, conflicting, and contradictory attitudes towards uh, towards the Jews. Now, if you're writing an essay about this, I think it's important to embrace this ambiguity and to actually articulate in your writing that coming up with hard and fast 
um, judgments on attitudes is next to impossible and we can only really go with the evidence that we're presented with. We have to make our best judgments as we, as we see fit. One complicating factor in all of this is that none of the mass killing of the Jews is done on German soil. It's all done through deportations. The uh, German people don't have to really confront up until the end of the war when um, American and British soldiers uh, escort them around places such as Dachau and Belsen, the consequences of Nazism. Um, even um, places like Dachau and Belsen, not designed necessarily to be centres of mass extermination, but simply by the end of the war they're dumping grounds for Jews and other prisoners who are brought back from Poland um, fleeing the advance of the Red Army. Now this isn't to say that there weren't hardened anti-Semitic attitudes in Germany during the war. Of course there were, and of course these attitudes are widespread. The um, interesting factor, however, is that there are far fewer attitudes of hardened anti-Semitism in the general public um, as opposed to in the army and obviously in the SS. For example, the Nazi party particularly is blamed, less so Hitler, people are less willing to blame Hitler directly, but the Nazi party is particularly blamed and in particular Goering is blamed for the bombing and the destruction of German cities when the war starts to go in the wrong direction as far as the German people are concerned and German cities themselves are destroyed and the war comes home to Germany the um, sense of aggrievement uh, uh, amongst the German people that the war has been badly handled and that they've been dragged into something that they really didn't want in the first place is palpable there is little uh, evidence of a widespread um, blame of the Jews for Germany's misfortunes. However, this will always be a, a kind of a minority and extreme opinion. This opinion is far more widespread within the army and obviously nearly uniform within the SS. And there are far more instances of the uh, soldiers on various fronts believing that the thing that they are fighting for is a Europe that is free from Jews and free from the threat of Jews and free, free from the threat um, of not just the Jews but the allies that they bring with them. The um, feeling, uh, the belief, uh, and it's an indoctrinated belief amongst the SS and many of the army, is that the um, the twin forces of communism and capitalism are really both um, Jewish uh, inventions and part of a Jewish conspiracy to lay low the, the ordinary German who knows not of these uh, you know um, invisible global concepts and that the struggle for survival against America and Russia and to a lesser extent against Britain, is really a struggle for survival against the, the agents of Jewry. And of course the place where these ideas are held most keenly is at the apex of the Nazi Party, Nazi Party particularly obviously Hitler, Himmler, Goering, Goebbels, Reinhard Heydrich, 
Martin Borman and the rest. And these are the people who are happy to embrace global war after December 1941, when the invasion of the Soviet Union has stalled and Hitler also decides now to fight a, an epic struggle on two fronts by declaring war on the USA, though really war with the USA had been ongoing since about May of that year with the Lend-Lease programme. Hitler, at this point, really feels that he's engaging in a fight to the finish with global Jewry, and that really the agents of global Jewry, the Americans and the Soviets, need to be fought together. And Hitler also banks on the fact that he that America will be fighting an Asian war for um, the most part, following Pearl Harbor. And he's obviously not aware of America's insistence that uh, Germany is the first uh, problem to be dealt with. Okay, so I hope that's useful. And if you are sitting an exam shortly and you're doing anything on Nazi Germany, visit my website. Go to www.explaininghistory.com. I have an e-book to download from that site on the six things that you need to know about Nazi Germany. Um, that will be an invaluable help. There's also a free PDF download there on Germany from 1900 to the eve of World War One, which also may well be handy to you. But visit my site, have a look at that, and there are plenty of the resources there that you can use. If you need to ask me a question, you can get me at info at explaininghistory.com. Um, otherwise, I hope this has been useful and I look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.